Well, hey, welcome to the Highland Groupcast. I'm Jeremy. I'm Emily. And today, we get to talk about the heart. And we're excited to have Jordan McKinney and Barry Blake with us today. Jordan, Barry, uh, for those out there who don't know you, if there are any out there who don't know you, uh, why don't you tell them a little bit about who you are, what it is you do here, and, I don't know, your favorite type of bubblegum. Yes, my name is Barry Blake. I have been the girls' minister uh, for a few years now. I came on staff uh, the summer of 2013 as a summer intern. Um, and I graduated Baylor in 2014. He'd been in Waco ever since. Um, your question about bubblegum. Did you ask that question? I did. What, what's your okay. favorite type yeah. of gum? I don't uh, know. Yes. Don't love bubblegum. Hate it, actually. I've always hated it. Um, I've always wanted to like it. It's been one of those things where I wish that I could be included in all my mm-hmm. friends passing gum and chewing gum and asking for gum and all of that, but I have Man, never tell us more it. about your feelings about that. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. Uh, yeah, I really <laughs> hate it. Uh, it was one of the first things that my husband, Trav, and I bonded over is he also hates gum, doesn't like mm. chewing it, doesn't like ra- gum wrappers, like anything about it. Um, and there are really few people that don't like gum. So I figure that's the hand of the Lord. True love. Can you um, blow a bubble? No. Oh, I would never try. I would never do that. <laughs> I don't like being around people doing it either. Wow, oh, man. That's good to know. You don't like being around people who do bubble gum? I mean, I like the people. You know, love the sin or hate the sin. Don't love people <laughs> that are blowing Ooh. bubbles or like any the wet mouth. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's this like uh, condition where you <laughs> don't like the noise of other people eating things. Is that kind of what it is? Like my brother cannot handle when I eat an apple around him. Like he um, just I'm not literally that cannot handle my it. My sister's actually, yeah, my sister's that way. She <laughs> it, like was infamous when she was little of like telling her teachers to stop eating food or like she could wow. not do that. I, it's just gum for me. Mm. So does your sister also dislike gum? No, everybody in my family likes gum. Oh, so you're like the black sheep. That must have been yeah. hard for you on road yeah. trips or airplane um, rides. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Anyways, moving on. Uh, for the record, you should have never told me that. Jordan, <laughs> how about you? Um, I personally love uh, bubblegum. Uh, Bubblicious is excellent, but it loses flavor. Uh, the pieces are kind of large, and so it kind of gives me a good jaw workout. But if I hope to ever have a jawline like Channing Tatum, I guess that's a good idea, mm. which I don't think that'll be possible. But I think you just chewed a lot of bubblegum as a child, so that's how it happened. Um, I, I love the zebra kind. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. I don't even know what it's called, but it's the zebra, zebra stripe. Bubble. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It loses flavor within 10 seconds, but that just reminds me of the 90s and the good old days when I was growing up, and uh, I miss that. Uh, those in Dunkaroos um, are my faves that are that are missing from the 90s. Uh, spoiler alert, though. Spoiler alert. Uh, Dunkaroos are coming back. I heard. I'm really excited about that. So I used to order them from Canada. That's interesting fact about me. Uh, I used to order them from Canada for my sister for Christmas because that was her favorite snack growing up. And that's the only place I could get them from illegally for the past you know, decade. So Wait, it's illegal uh, to order things from Canada? It was illegal to <laughs> import food from, from a foreign country without some oh. kind of paperwork. 
I believe. It, well, it's uh, Canada. So, so yeah, I mean, foreign. You know, they are North American. So, um, I'll let it that according out. to them. According to them, but uh, and then I've been at uh, my post as student pastor at Highland since 2014, and love it. Love the staff. Love Highland, and uh, excited to be on the podcast today. Jordan, um, how do you feel about opera? Uh, I do enjoy opera, and I love classics, and I I love a little bit of opera as well, so Pavarotti to Josh Groban or Andre Bocelli. I'm a fan. Um, Do you like to participate as well in opera? You know, it's been a while, um, but I almost, uh, I, I think you're alluding to this, that I almost wanted to either do opera or some kind of uh, Broadway type vocal performance as a profession. And God saves me, uh, from a lifetime of, of sorrow, uh, in home and homeless <laughs> in professions. Uh, but you sing like an angel. It's so true. Oh man. Well, according to John Durham, our pastor, angels don't sing. So I don't know if that's a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> so there, there are that's no so choirs sweet. of angels then. Uh, which is fair. That all of our Christmas songs are basically defunct. They're all a lie. That's right. Good word. (laughs) Anyway. Okay. Well, hey, thank you guys uh, for being here. We're grateful uh, to have you on. And and today, really, uh, what we want to kind of pick your brain on and discuss is how we engage people's hearts. And so uh, we're in the middle of uh, eight, I can't remember the eight week, nine week, 11, 13 something week series. Uh, just on equipping leaders uh, to walk with others through uh, different types of pain and suffering. And uh, one of the things that we said in the first episode is that a lot of people believe that their biggest problems are outside of them and they're pressing in, but uh, the contention we make is that their biggest problem is inside of them and it's spilling out onto everything uh, because our biggest problem isn't someone else or what someone else is doing. Our biggest problem is sin. And so uh, we think that you guys are uniquely gifted and wired. And uh, from everything we've heard and seen in you, we believe that you do a good job of engaging the heart. So we just love to know uh, and help our leaders know how they might engage their uh, people, uh, but also go after their hearts. So I think we have some questions for you. Yes, we do. Uh, and um, I know I've had, you know, obviously we know you guys. We know your desire when you minister and and uh, guide those that are around you, whether that's in your groups or in your student ministry or uh, your friendships. And so we really admire that about you guys. But in Jeremiah 17, uh, the Lord says that he searches the heart and tests the mind. And in Revelation 2, uh, you know, it says that, all the churches will know that I am he who searches the mind and heart. And so scripture speaks often of the heart of a person. And so what would you guys say is a biblical definition of the heart? Well, um, I guess if I'm, I'm such a simpleton when I think about the heart, uh, the way the scripture talks about it is, is metaphorical. And so obviously um, you know, there's some, um, some kind of mudding of the definitions between, well, what is the heart? What is the mind? Jesus, even in one point, calls someone out about the thinking of their hearts, um, even though you would 
assume thinking is something that happens in the mind. And so, um, but really the heart in scripture is a metaphor for the seat of emotion as well as, uh, the seat of belief. And, uh, and so, um, it's, uh, you know, uh, I don't want to over explain it, but I, I think, you know, the scripture talks about how the, the heart is deceitful and wicked. No one can know how bad it is, but it also, uh, talks about how there is, um, uh, the goodness of the heart and, and, uh, the intention of the Lord in creating your heart is that it would be found in him, that, he, that our hearts would believe and trust in, in him. And so, um, the heart gets a bad rap, I think, uh, especially in maybe reformed circles or Baptist or, or Protestant circles, because it is deceitful and wicked, but we don't throw it out with the bathwater, you know? And so I would say that's, that's a definition mm-hmm. of the heart is seat of emotion as well as the, uh, the seat of belief. Barry, what would you, how would you expand that? What would you add to that? Um, I think, uh, yes, I love that. I think you're totally right. Um, I think I would take more from the passage in Mark seven, where Jesus is talking about what flows from the heart, uh, what comes from it, what's within um, right here, Mark seven uh, from, from within out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. And then he follows up by saying all these evil things come from within and they defile a person. Um, and so I know we're going to talk about this in a little bit, but just talking about how the fall, there's nothing that, um, there, there's no part of the heart that the fall didn't touch. Um, and so it, it is turned towards evil. It is turned towards the flesh. Um, and yet there is that it, it's the foundation of our being. Um, and so I think you're right, Jordan, of there is, it's the seed of emotion in our mind and our thoughts, uh, but it's also toward, turned towards nothing that is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when we talk about a biblical definition, um, I think I, I was very simple in, in my thing too, but the heart is really terrible and it needs saving. <laughs> um, and so I don't know if that'd be my, I wouldn't write that down, but I think very simply uh, when we talk about the heart, um, it centers around sin so much and mm. how Jesus talks about it and how it is turned towards nothing that is good. Absolutely. And that's a result of the fall, right? And that God created us with a will, with emotions, with thoughts uh, that were intended to be focused towards him and centered around him. But because of the fall, uh, that's tainted those things, right? And so, um, no, I, I think that's good. That's, those are great. Jeremy, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think um, the Mark passage that Barry read, I think, has always been one that's fairly profound because, again, uh, if we continue to see our biggest problem as outside of us, then it's really hard for us to begin to deal with it. But as we think through the thoughts and intentions of our heart, which, you know, Jesus is always incredibly serious about, I think the Lord is really serious about, so, so serious about it that in Genesis we see that he... Uh, started everything, he reset everything, right? Because the thoughts and intentions of the hearts of men was only evil all of the time. Um, So God is serious about the heart, but our tendency is to want to try and shield what's going on in our hearts with action or inaction in a lot of cases. But um, yeah, I mean, I think the seed of emotions, the seed of belief, but also the seat of uh, the throne of our life really uh, as well is kind of one way that I would uh, also make that definition that we're going to put something on the throne of our life, and that's our heart. So uh, our hearts uh, also 
drive our affections uh, and they drive our worship. And so if we have something other than the Lord placed on that throne, um, then we're going to chase that thing, and that causes all sorts of issues and problems. And I think when people are seeking guidance, it's often because they find themselves in an unwanted situation, right, that they can't change, or they have behaviors or emotions or thoughts that they want changed, um, and they want help with that, right? And so, you know, based on what you guys are saying, uh, if the issue is coming from ultimately, again, the heart, this is this is where the change needs to occur, how can we graciously direct someone's attention uh, to look at their heart, to examine it before the Lord and before the, before the scripture uh, and allow the spirit to convict and change. Um, so practically, you know, in, in our guidance, I guess, as we're, you know, walking with people through things, uh, how can we direct their attention to that? Barry, why don't you start and I'll, I'll see if I can add anything to it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's it's so much just the art of asking questions is behind that of just um, where we guide people in our conversation and in our in our counsel. Um, and so, uh, Jordan, I'm sure you have a better answer than I do. But I mean, just so much of that is is working through how do we guide our conversations back to not just circumstance or what's going on, but back to the heart and back to what's going on and back to how we're viewing God, how we're viewing our sin in this, um, how we're viewing, yeah, just this, the the sinful nature of our heart in any situation and hard thing that's going on. Um, and so maybe I'll have more practical questions to ask, but um, really it's just that learning to um, go back to the issue, the problem spot, um, which is always our, our own sin. Yeah. yeah, I totally agree. I think um, I like that, that idea of, of the questions, not necessarily leading questions, leading them to a place where you, want someone to go, um, you know, like in a, um, in a time when it's, you know, a person is, is confessing sin or they're really, you can tell they're really wrestling internally with, with a decision or a mistake of their past. Um, I think it's, I think those questions are healthy and they reflect on, um, on, on who they are and their identity, where they're finding their identity. You know, Paul, I think it was Paul Tripp who said, whatever desire, rules your heart will ultimately control your behavior and your mm. words. And so just asking questions about those behaviors and words, I think um, ends up, if you ask good questions, the right questions, which I don't, I'm not an expert at uh, by any means, but I, uh, someone that I, I would say is really excellent at that is Jeremy Daniel, which he just <laughs> to be one of the hosts of the podcast. Mm-hmm. But I, I I've, he, the way that you ask questions, Jeremy, it typically leads me back to consider where, what is my desire ultimately then? Because that, what, what has our hearts has, has us, you know? So if it's circumstances, then we're going to be defined by our circumstances. You know, what, what has our desire defines us. And so, yeah, I think those questions of, of reflection, even just, um, you know, compare and contrast with scripture, what scripture says and, and what people say um, at, at a certain point, I think is absolutely appropriate. Um, and, and even, even necessary, you know, as Hebrews 4.12 says, you know, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and spirit of joints and of marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And so the scripture uh, discerns the thoughts and intentions. That's the the desire, the motive, the, um, 
you know, the path that took us to a behavior, the, the path, um, you know, these are the roots of, you know, the, the, I guess behavior and words are the fruit of something happening within us. Again, Matthew seven, as well as Matthew 15, Jesus says, um, it's not what goes into a man that defiles him, but what comes out of him, uh, because that's that there's deceitfulness there and there's wickedness. Uh, but there's also hope there, but I don't want to get there before you ask those kind of questions. Sure. And I think, you know, for me, one of the kind of the big things that I always try and help people understand is, uh, they'll be walking through difficult circumstances. And the reality is that we're all going to end up walking through difficult circumstances. Uh, but, it's not so much, um, I mean, I, I never want to invalidate, I guess, um, what's going on with someone, right? Especially if they've been sinned against. So if somebody's walking through, just walking in rebellion, that, that there's one way that you would engage that. But so many of the people that um, we, that we'll sit down with or that we're walking with, they're not necessarily walking through their own rebellion, or it hasn't started that way. They're walking through a circumstance that uh, has either happened because uh, we live in a fallen world or a circumstance that that has happened because of someone else's sin against them. And so where I'm always trying to turn people is, but what we're still responsible for in that moment, even in the difficulty, is our response of heart, right? And so James 4 is is a place where I go often when, um, when, helping people kind of think through that responsive heart and James 4 1 just says this what is what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you is it not this that your passions are at war within you you desire and you do not have so you murder you covet and you cannot obtain so you fight and quarrel you do not have because you do not ask and you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions and so one of the things that um, James is pointing out here is these these um, man maybe some of the tumult that's going on is, is kind of based on they have this desire they have this want in their heart and so for some especially if they've been sinned against or if they uh, have gotten sick or uh, they've walked through some sort of calamity uh, most people would say I mean, what I want more than anything, I, I just want to be better. I just want this circumstance to go away. I just want this pain to be alleviated. And we can't fault them for that. Um, but where we always have to point them back to is their response of heart in the midst of the difficulty and in the midst of the circumstance. Because I had this conversation with uh, my boys two nights ago as they were fighting in their bedroom and not going to sleep after I told them to be quiet in the most kind and compassionate way 11 times. Um, and every time you go in, it's, well, he did this. He did, he did, he did. And and what I had to say to them is, you know what, that's, that's not right. What he did was not right. But you won't stand and give an account for what he did, and you won't be able to stand before God and say, he's the reason that I did this. And so, again, our hearts and our response of hearts in the midst of difficult circumstances becomes really important and the thing that we have to pay a lot of attention to. Uh, that's so good. Um, I, th- I do think that one of the things that scripture talks about in, in Romans is that, you know, we don't have the ability to under- fully understand our own hearts. Um, but scripture says over and over again, uh, that God searches the hearts and he understands every plan and thought 
um, that he uh, he knows <laughs> the hearts of the children of mankind. Uh, so this truth is repeated throughout Scripture, <clears throat> and I think this can encourage just a greater dependence on the Lord and on the Holy Spirit, not just for uh, the person offering counsel and seeking to ask the right kind of questions and, uh, and and look for wisdom in that, but also for the person that is needing guidance and seeking guidance. And so one of the things that uh, we can do, I think, is encourage the people that we're walking with to develop and nurture a greater dependence uh, on the Lord and on the Spirit. And I think one of the things in our culture, and maybe this is just me, <laughs> but uh, I do think that there is a tendency uh, and, a, and a probably a high value on self-dependence and on self-reliance, on independence and these things. And so when people are walking through suffering or are struggling with temptation or any of these things, it's an opportunity, I think, for us um, as believers to encourage one another to recognize our poverty spiritually and our desperate need for a savior um, and ultimately can result in a greater intimacy with the Lord as we realize day by day just how desperately we need him. Um, And so one of the things that we see in Ezekiel 36, I think I probably share this scripture at least once a week (laughs) with people, um, but under the new covenant, it says that those who belong to Christ, who have placed their faith in him, have been given a new heart, have been given the Holy Spirit who causes us to walk in his ways. And so one of the ways that, um, you know, I guess the way that we thought we would end this conversation with you guys is kind of talk through some of the spiritual blessings that are ours in Christ that can help a believer align his or her thoughts, uh, motives, and emotions uh, with those of Christ. So what would you guys say are some of the spiritual blessings? What are some of the things that God has given us practically and literally to, to aid us in this kind of sanctification process? Jordan, you want to go first? Um, sure, yeah. Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, initially, obviously, um, like you said, under the new covenant, that's, um, you know, salvation, salvation. Uh, under the blood of the lamb, the ultimate lamb, Jesus. Um, and so uh, what is it? Romans uh, uh, nine through 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord, believe in your heart. There's the heart uh, that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved for with the heart, one believes and is justified. Uh, and with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. And so it's not necessarily like a, a uh, that's not a step one, step two process. That Those are simultaneous realities that when your heart truly believes and you will confess with your mouth. And so I think um, just even initially, I think it's important to talk about um, before, before, you know, we kind of counsel people in the spiritual blessings. They may not have inherited any spiritual blessing from the Lord because they're not saved. Mm. I think there are a lot of people who don't know, who don't know him personally. And so as Jeremy said from the beginning, um, the, the, the heart is the throne of our lives. And so, um, there's an exchange which needs to happen at salvation where we confess that he is the Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead. That's an exchange of who's sitting on the throne. That's you stepping down from the throne, being crucified with Christ. And then he takes that throne of your heart. And so that's the, the first spiritual blessing is salvation. Um, it is the exchange of who's on the throne of your heart. And, uh, and so I don't want to uh, cover all these things and I know that I won't cause I don't, I, y'all will think of things that I don't, but I think that's the initial thing that I think of. Mm-hmm. And obviously the scripture um, is what bridles the heart. 
Um, it's, it's what, um, you know, breaks a heart, like, like you break the spirit of a horse so that you can, you know, use it for its, for your purposes. You, you, your heart is meant to be broken as it were for the Lord submitted unto him. So Jesus, you know, of course says the greatest commandment is to love the Lord, your God with all your heart, your mind and your soul. And so there's a sense in which you submit your heart um, to the Lord. So submission is another spiritual blessing that we have, that we have a, a God who is worthy of being submitted to, not just a God who saves us. Um, and so, uh, you know, obviously that uh, includes the gift of the Holy Spirit um, who uh, indwells us, who convicts the world of its sin and guides us in paths of righteousness for the Lord's sake. And so, I, I just wanted to mention three, and so there are so many more that I'd, I'd rather y'all talk about, but those are the three that I think about is the gift of salvation, the gift of, of submitting to God and his word, um, which bridles and guides us, and then uh, the, the spirit who brings to light everything that he taught us, who convicts us of our sin and guides us in paths of righteousness. Hmm, I love that. That's awesome. Uh, Barry, what are you, any thoughts? Yeah, um, I think, and when you ask about very practical, literal ways that the Lord has given us spiritual blessings to provide ways to depend more upon Him, uh, I think I've very clearly seen in my own life in these last six weeks or however long quarantine, self social distancing has been, has absolutely been those closest to me. So mm -hmm. my husband and my three-year-old, um, not just in the way that you know things have been good and bad at times, but. I've so clearly seen my sin laid before me and like more than, more than in a long time. Um, but yet it's in the blessing and the goodness of my husband who loves me dearly, my three-year-old who loves me dearly. And so all of the sin that I'm seeing in my own heart and how my husband is pointing it out gently and, and carefully, um, I think that's a gift of the Lord, a spiritual blessing of the mm -hmm. Lord and how I've been convicted, but in this under the context of love and under the context of forgiveness um, and so I've very practically seen it um, in my own family. And then uh, just another spiritual blessing that I'm missing right now is uh, church and is the body of Christ mm -hmm. and is uh, the ability to be belong um, and to attend and to uh, serve and to give and to worship together. I think all of those spiritual blessings that come with um, what it is to belong in a body of Christ. And I know Jeremy and Emmy, y'all can talk about that uh, dearly as well. Um, and so missing that, uh, but just another blessing of learning to walk alongside believers, learning to be uh, vulnerable, learning to uh, counsel and guide and ask those hard questions that, that lead back to the heart, learning to worship together, um, just all of those ways that um, w without it, it's so easily easy to become self-reliant, like you talked about, um, and to really rely on my own, um, my own means. And so... Uh, I think those would be my answer of just two practical, literal spiritual blessings that the Lord has has given us. Yeah, um, I had a pastor who um, really used to practically break it down in a couple of ways. Number one, um, those things that stir your affection for Jesus; those those are the things we want more and more of, right? And those things that would rob us of our affection uh, for Christ. Then we want to, as much as we can, we want to run away, right? We want to flee from uh, those things. And I think when you look at the scriptures and it talks about 
a renewing your mind, right, or setting your mind on things that are above, I think that is also one of those things that even in the midst of difficulty, one of the things that we're constantly trying to get people to do is to take their eyes off of their situation, which can be really, really hard, and to, uh, and to kind of lift their gaze a little bit. Um, and so I think, you know, there's a reason that God gives us um, those spiritual disciplines, the gift of discipline, right? Uh, it, there's a reason that by His Spirit, He reveals those things that are going on in His heart. It's His kindness that leads us to repentance. And if we don't know the things that are going on in our heart, then we don't know that we need uh, to repent of those things. And so I think in His graciousness, because He disciplines those He loves, He will bring those things out, right? And uh, the opportunity that we have is to lay those things down. And I think in the midst of difficult circumstances, in the midst of trials, in the midst of tribulations, uh, one of the biggest things that is going to be helpful in us persevering through those in a godly way um, is, number one, actually pursuing the disciplines. I think I think the two things, I think discipline and perseverance are inextricably linked. Your perseverance will absolutely um, mirror your pursuit of the disciplines, right? If I am spending time in prayer, I'm spending time in the Word, I'm fasting, I'm praying, I'm seeking um, that silence and that solitude with the Lord, then when trouble comes, um, my anchor and my foundation, they're already... I mixed metaphors there, I'm sorry about that. My anchor is set. But if I wait until those things happen, right, which is what a lot of people do, uh, they find themselves in the midst of difficulty, and they're like, "Oh man, I need, uh, I need to pray," or "Oh man, I, I should be in the Word more." Um, that that's still a kindness of the Lord when He's revealed those things in your heart through those difficult circumstances. But it's much harder to begin that process in the midst of difficulty than it is to lay that uh, or to set that anchor. I'm not mixing metaphors again, to set that anchor before the trouble comes. And so, man, pursuing discipline, seeking the renewing of the mind, um, going hard in those things that stir our affection for Jesus and trying to flee from those things that rob us of our affection are all things that I think will affect our responses in the midst of difficulty. But the biggest, I honestly believe, is looking to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, taking our eyes off of our belly button, off of our circumstance, off of our situation, knowing that though we don't have the power to change it, He does. But even if He doesn't, He's still good, He's still worthy, He's still um, able, and He's still beautiful. And so um, our, our biggest problem really is a gaze problem. We, we want to look at us for the answer or to find the hope, and we're never going to find it there. But uh, as we look to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, I think we find a much greater hope. And so, <laughs> uh, with that, um, which I probably should have stopped talking after you, Barry, it would have been much better, <laughs> but uh, with that, just want to say, hey, thank you guys for uh, being with us today. Thank you for uh, the way that you serve and love at Highland. Thank you for the way that you uh, challenge me personally in the way that you love our people. And uh, I can't wait to be with you guys You're again awesome. for sure. Yeah, any parting thoughts for us? Miss you guys. Really thankful for having us on. 
Hopefully yes. we'll see you in person soon. Miss you guys. Miss you, yeah, for sure. All right, well, I'm Jeremy. I'm Emily. And we'll see you guys again soon. We miss y'all too. <laughs>